Welcome inside Appalachia. I'm Mason Adams. Schools are facing unprecedented teacher and staff shortages. Today, we're talking with teachers like Emily Hicks of McDowell County, West Virginia, about what could keep people like her here in Appalachia. I love the kids. I love the school. Being here and giving back to where I came from makes me happy. So. And what could keep teachers from burning out? We'll talk with a teacher of 40 years, Kathy Jack. It keeps me young feeling, I guess. I plan to do it as long as they'll have me. <laughs> and we'll learn what happened when a teacher's union set out to build a housing project in McDowell County to attract more teachers to live there. $9 million and 11 years later, has the project been successful? This is the first multi-story a new building in Welch in over 50 years, so it brought a sense of excitement. You'll hear these stories and more this week inside Appalachia. Welcome inside Appalachia. I'm Mason Adams. Emily Hicks teaches fifth grade in the small town of Kimball, West Virginia. I love the kids. I love the school. Being here and giving back to where I came from makes me happy. So. This is Hicks' third year teaching. She just received her master's degree in special education and plans to stay in this county, at least for the near future. But it's not easy. Anywhere in this area, have compassion, but hold your ground because there's some kids who you never know where they came from and some kids do need the discipline that they're not going to get at home because of the environments that they're in. So, Another teacher in McDowell is Lillian Keyes. She teaches at Mount View, the same high school she graduated from. So when I decided to go to school for education, I decided I was going to definitely be a teacher and I wanted to come back to McDowell County, specifically to my high school. And so I decided I was going to come back and I was going to be the English teacher that I never had. Because for the most part during my high school experience, I did not have great high school teachers. And financially, it just made sense for Keys to return home. She inherited her grandmother's house in Crumpler so she doesn't have to pay rent. In college at Concord University, she remembers some of the students didn't understand why she wanted to keep living in McDowell. And their automatic response was, oh, I'm sorry. And I just remember thinking, who do you think you are? Keys is proud of where she's from. But she says teaching has been difficult, especially during the pandemic. And there have been days where she's considered giving up. You know, things are changing on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. And so it's just, it's very hard as teaching, especially because teaching is all about, you know, planning and organizing and knowing what you're going to do. And so sometimes based on these changes, we're living day by day on what we do. The unpredictability of teaching during the pandemic has been stressful. If she'd been a first year teacher, Key says she may have given up. Instead, she's staying. She received her master's degree last year, and now she's pursuing a doctorate degree in education. She hopes to one day become a principal here in McDowell County. We are people who are unique and we attract unique people, but I feel like it's just important for people to realize, you know, we, we do things differently here, but if, you know, you're willing to be a part of that, then most people, you know, really enjoy it here. McDowell County desperately needs good teachers like Keys and Hicks who want to stay. But schools have had a hard time finding and holding on to them, even before the pandemic. Today on Inside Appalachia, we're spending time in McDowell County trying to understand what teachers and schools are up against and what the community is trying to do about it. But first, let's zoom out and take a look at the problem at the statewide level. K-12 schools here in West Virginia have 1,000 empty positions, according to a recent study at West Virginia University. To learn more about what a shortage of 1,000 positions actually means, I turn to WVPB education reporter Liz McCormick. Liz, help us understand this number. When I spoke with Carla Warren, she's the Director of Educator Development and Support Services in the West Virginia Department of Education's Office of Teaching and Learning. She talked about how a shortage is anyone in a teaching position at a school who is not certified. So this could be a substitute teacher without the right training, 
but they're in a class because they're needed there because there's no one else who can be in that position. This could be a teacher who hasn't quite gotten all the certifications they need in one subject and they're teaching a different subject. Or this could even be a principal stepping in to fill a class to teach that class because, again, they don't have someone to fill that position. So the the idea of a shortage kind of is broad, but it's anyone who is not certified teaching a course. So a lot of Appalachia, and especially West Virginia, is seeing this shortage. Um, What are some of the reasons why this is happening here? Yeah, Mason, that's a really good question, and it's multifaceted. You know, I think of three particular areas from my reporting that, that look at this particular issue. And the first one is West Virginia has an aging population. We have a lot of teachers who retired, especially when the pandemic started, because a lot of those older teachers were were concerned about their health, and so they retired. We also have a lot of substitutes are, who are older as well, and so a lot of substitutes weren't making themselves available because of the same issue. They were concerned. And then also in speaking with Carla Warren, she used this great description. She called it this leaky bucket where, you know, there are just so many teachers who are retiring, but not enough new teachers coming out of our universities who are who are coming into the profession. So it's just this constant leaky bucket. The second area is, you know, those federal COVID dollars. And West Virginia received over a billion dollars. That's a billion with a B to help our 55 counties um, respond to the needs of COVID. And that goes all the way back from when the pandemic started to um, the American Rescue Plan. And these federal monies created additional positions trying to help this shortage, but there's no people to fill them. For an example, one county superintendent told me they now have 16 new positions to fill, but no one to fill them. So that's increasing the shortage there. And then the last area is this pay issue. Um, and, you know, we we see in our border our border states that there's more competitive pay for, for K through 12 teachers there than there are in West Virginia. And so that's just another issue here of why we're seeing a shortage, particularly in West Virginia. So we're seeing shortages across the board for a lot of different reasons. Where are the areas where there's the greatest need? Yeah, so there are five areas that are seen as a critical shortage in West Virginia. Um, Those subjects are math, science, special education, elementary education, and counseling. How about geographically? Yeah, that's a good question. So of course, the majority of these critical shortage areas, these five areas, we're seeing the most of that shortage in southern counties. McDowell County comes up a lot, except what's interesting, McDowell County does not come up in the special education needs. So according to the West Virginia Department of Education, McDowell County does not have a critical shortage of special education teachers. But also it should be noted, um, which I think is just interesting, is that of this critical shortage, we're seeing this critical shortage in Kanawha County, which of course is where Charleston is, the capital city. And we're also seeing some of the critical shortage in Berkeley County, where Martinsburg is and where I live, and is also one of the fastest growing counties in the state. So I, I think, you know, we're, we're, we see this shortage all over the state, no matter of how wealthy one county is versus another. So we're talking about the thousand teacher vacancies in West Virginia. But I, you know, from my experience, these numbers are just snapshots. They're constantly changing. And not only that, like I understand from your reporting that this may be a questionable number. There's some discrepancies between the county and the state numbers. Can you tell us about that more? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, in my reporting, I learned that um, what's posted on the West Virginia Department of Education's website, their database of vacancies, does not necessarily reflect what the vacancies are in our 55 counties. And the reason for that is because, um, as was described to me by the West Virginia Department of Education, West Virginia is a local control state. So counties are not required to post their vacancies to the State Department of Ed's website. And so what ends up happening is, you know, you'll go to the West Virginia Department of Ed's website and look up, for example, Jefferson County. And I'm going to use Jefferson because it was the focus of a story I did back in October. Um, In October, Jefferson County was reporting that they had anywhere from 130 to 214 empty positions on a given day. And that could be a vacancy. um, That could be either a true vacancy or it could be that someone's out because perhaps they're on quarantine because of COVID. But if 
At the same time that month, if you looked at the Department of Ed's website, there were only six vacancies, just six, in Jefferson County. So a huge difference. So, of course, these discrepancies just make it very challenging to realize how vast the vacancies truly are because we don't really have a solid idea on a statewide level until this study from WVU came out of exactly how how vast these vacancies are. So this is a big problem across the region, and I imagine people are at work on it. What, what are some possible ideas to fix this? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Coming out of this, com- this conversation we just had about the discrepancies and between the West Virginia Department of Ed's vacancy postings and what might be posted locally in a county, one thing that the department is looking at is trying to fix that. They're trying to create this sort of centralized posting site um, of K-12 vacancies in the state. Um, Now, this is not something that is official yet, and it's possible, though, they may have to go through the legislature to enact it. It's, It's not quite clear to me yet at this time, but it is something that they are talking about because they do recognize that that is an issue, not having it all in one place for people to find. But then another area that they're really looking at to try and fix this issue is is a residency program. They're they're working on recruitment. So this new program began this past fall, fall 2021, and the goal of it is that by fall 2024 the traditional student teaching model will be phased out and all new teachers in their final year specifically will be doing these year-long residencies to really help them get immersed in the community. So it's it's longer and more immersive than that traditional student teaching model. What's also really interesting about this residency program is West Virginia is just one of two states that is offering this residency model at the undergraduate level. These types of residencies are offered more at sort of the master's level, and we see them across the country, but not so much at the undergrad level. So the West Virginia Department of Education is is thinking that this is putting them ahead um, and, and going to help keep teachers here. Because when a teacher does these residency programs, they, from the start of a new school year, they begin in a school, and they're with that same school and that same teacher through the whole year until the end of that school year. So they basically truly get immersed in what it is to be a teacher. That's Liz McCormick, education reporter here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Teacher shortages are a problem across West Virginia. McDowell County, for example, currently has 27 unfilled vacancies, which are covered by substitutes. But it's had a teacher shortage for years. Back in 2017, reporter Emily Hanford visited McDowell County to try and understand what's making it so tough for teachers to stay. Hanford produced this story as part of the Educate podcast from APM Reports. It's not easy to get to McDowell County. There's just one main road in and out, a winding two-lane that follows the curves of the Appalachian Mountains. People came here for the coal in those mountains, building homes on the sides of steep hills where it does not seem houses should be. Coal mining once employed about 65% of the working population here. Today, it's less than 20%. The government now employs more people than the coal companies, and the largest employer is the McDowell County Schools. When I say fine, what does it mean? Stop. Stop. We are stopped. I visit Welch Elementary School, where Ann Turley teaches music. She divides her time among three schools, a modern-day circuit rider delivering music education the way itinerant clergy once saved souls. Today, she's teaching first graders. The kids are walking in a circle, tossing balloons to keep count with the music. There are 18 students, including a redhead wearing a tie. It's his first day. His parents just moved here from Mississippi as part of a mission group trying to help McDowell County. McDowell County is in the poorest part of West Virginia. It ranks second in the nation for prescription drug overdose deaths and has one of the lowest life expectancies of any county in the United States. Nearly half the students in McDowell County schools live with someone other than a biological parent. Ann Turley says she sometimes questions whether she's the right person for the job. Because I feel like I need to be a counselor or a social worker or uh, somebody with a little more 
crisis intervention kind of skills. Just this morning, the father of one of her fourth graders died after being shot in what a police spokesman said was a drug-related incident. After school, I go home with Ann Turley. Yeah, this was the first one finished, and we were the first occupants. Ann and her husband, Brian, live in what's known as the teacher village. Village is a bit of a stretch. It's a couple of abandoned homes that a local nonprofit has fixed up and turned into apartments specifically for teachers. Brian's on the phone when we walk in. Well, that's a, that is a great blessing. I appreciate it. Ann and Brian moved to McDowell County six months ago. They're both from West Virginia. Ann's from right here in McDowell. They'd lived other places for years, but with their son grown and their elderly mothers in need of help, they decided it was time to move back home. 750 square feet, as I've reckoned it. And, uh, Brian's giving me a tour of their apartment. In urban areas, affordable housing can be a big issue for teachers. In rural areas, it's housing, period. There aren't many rentals. What's available is often run down. Another issue in rural areas, a job for your spouse. Brian had been a college professor and a minister. He has a Ph.D. When they decided to move back to West Virginia, they both started applying for jobs. He probably had about five times as many applications out there as me because I don't have a lot of experience at anything. But she got the first offer. She'd done some teaching and had her teacher certification. They were so desperate here. I was taken sight unseen. Didn't even have to do an interview. Brian, on the other hand couldn't find a job. Oh, I'm, I, this car's really a mess. I'm so sorry. I wanted to get a better idea of what's in McDowell County, so I got a driving tour from Kathy Jack. I've been here my whole life. <laughs> my brother and sister moved away, but I stayed. Kathy Jack has been a teacher here for 35 years. My grandparents came here from the Eastern Panhandle in 1924 to get teaching jobs, and um, they lived in that house. The whole time they were married, raised my mother and her two brothers. So your family came here for education, not for coal? Yes, actually they did. <laughs> the U.S. Census puts McDowell County's population at its peak in 1950, when nearly 100,000 people lived here. When Kathy Jack was growing up, the city of Welch, the McDowell County seat, was known around here as Little New York. On Saturdays, I mean, the streets were full of people and... We had women's stores, men's stores, shoe stores, toy stores. I mean, you didn't have to go out of, outside of Welch to buy anything. <laughs> we had so many stores downtown Welch. Today, there are fewer than 20,000 people left in McDowell County. We're going through downtown Welch. I'm going to pull through here. There's a mortuary, a social security office, a barber shop, but mostly the buildings are empty. There used to be a dry cleaners right there. There's a time-stood-still quality to this place, kind of like neighborhoods I visited in Philadelphia. But this place is so much more isolated geographically. To get to a major store from Welch, you have to drive more than 30 miles. It could take an hour on the winding two-lane, more if you get stuck behind a coal truck. Convincing people who aren't from here to move here is a tall order. But there aren't enough qualified people in McDowell County to staff the schools. Just 5% of people here have bachelor's degrees. So the schools have to go out and recruit. We are at Concord University for a career fair in the hopes to recruit some teachers. Hi, good. How are you? Tanya White is the personnel director for McDowell County Schools. Thinking about teaching? Concord University is in a neighboring county. Possibly seven. Tanya's here with her administrative assistant, a can of Mountain Dew, and a stack of job applications. If the past is any indication of what today is going to be, it's going to be many different school systems kind of fighting for the same kids. By kids, she means the soon-to-be college graduates wandering among the recruiters' tables. A recruiter from a neighboring district comes over and hands Tanya and her assistant a book of resumes from another job fair. McDowell couldn't afford the fees for that one. They start flipping through the resumes. Plenty of people who want to teach elementary school, slim pickings on high school math. How are you all? Good, how are you? A couple of soon-to-be graduates stopped by, Devin Graham and Amber Shrewsbury. So, you guys going into teaching? Yes, elementary ed. Okay, great. Thinking about McDowell, maybe? Well, we're, um, I'm a little higher. I'm Raleigh, borderline Fayette. No, they're not really thinking about McDowell. Here's what they say when I pull them aside. Um... More as of a last resort kind of thing, I guess. But as of right now, I would drive pretty much anywhere as long as I had a job. 
We're going by that beggars can't be choosers rule as of right now. When you're fresh out of college, you really can't be picky. They say they might take a job at McDowell for a year or two, but their dream is to teach in the district where they grew up. That's not a surprise. More than 60% of new teachers teach within 15 miles of their hometown. More than a third take their first job in the district where they went to high school. The implications of this are sobering for a place like McDowell County, where only about 40% of high school graduates go on to college, and most college graduates don't come back. But this high school junior, Sierra, says she will come back. I plan on being a biology teacher, coming back to McDowell, and I just want to make it different than what it is. She's bitter about the fact that so many teachers come and go. When I come back, I want to fix it. I want to make it where that student's going to learn what they need to learn, and that student's going to learn what he needs to learn. And I'm not going to just ditch my students. This year, her math teacher quit abruptly after Christmas, and a sub with no training in math education filled in. She had lots of subs in ninth and 10th grade math, too. I don't know any math. You can hand me, like, a freshman year math, and I'm like, mm, no, I don't know. I'm sorry. She's worried about whether she'll be ready for college. When I get in college, i got to take college math. But how am I supposed to do that if I don't know back to basics? Her classmate Bryce says he feels bad for teachers who get stuck teaching a subject they don't know. They try their best, he says, but... Sometimes your best is not enough. Bryce thinks more teachers would come and stay if they were paid better. But Sierra says it shouldn't be about money. you got to help McDowell. I mean, it's not just all about the money. I mean, I don't want to be a teacher for the money. I want to be a teacher because someone's got to redo the education system. Because you really want to do it. But then you get a lot of people, they want to do it, but there's not enough money, so they go into something else. Bryce and Sierra get into a bit of a spat. She says people who grow up in McDowell and go to college have an obligation to come back. He says he'd love to be able to do that, but... As it is now, I don't think I could for what I want to be. He wants to be an accountant. I love it here, but it's just... I have to build a foundation for my family. And right now, there's not much to build on. This is the dilemma for so many people. They want to stay, but they just can't. I asked teachers what they would do if they didn't have teaching, and they say things like, McDonald's? The Rite Aid? There is a hospital, the county government. One woman was a deputy sheriff before becoming a teacher. And there are the prisons, three of them. A federal prison opened in 2010, promising 300 jobs. But fewer than one in five employees is a McDowell County resident. Part of the problem is that many people wouldn't be able to pass the drug test. It's been a few months since I've seen Anne and Brian Turley, so I stopped by their apartment. Anne's the music teacher. Brian was looking for a job, and he's found one at the Stevens Correctional Center. He's the prison librarian. Some days I go in and somebody is asking me for the latest Gary Larson. That's the far side cartoon guy. And uh, a few minutes later, someone will come in and ask me for Plutarch. Or, you know, some uh, Hellenistic classic work. He likes it. I'm sometimes in a room by myself with 24 felons. And I come home saying, you know, it's great. The inmates are just great. They're very respectful. They like what what I'm doing. And Ann has had the really tough day. (laughs) (laughs) With fifth graders. (laughs) She had a particularly bad day with her fifth graders on Monday. Just the level of disrespect and some children, I don't know that I could ever interest them in what I'm doing, but yet they are intent on being, I don't know how to describe them, some of them, attention starved and they'll get attention however they can get it. Some days she thinks about quitting. Days like Monday, if I had days like that every day, I would have already left. (laughs) But she and Brian like living here. They've made friends, they hike, they're thinking about buying a house. Anne is a bit worried, though, that she might not have a job next year. This is something teachers here worry about. Because even though this county is desperate for teachers, every year, some of them get laid off. It's hard to explain to someone who hasn't been in it because it don't make sense. This is Tanya White again, the personnel director. The State Department makes, uh, they do a formula, and it determines how many positions that they will fund for you to have. And it's based on your student enrollment. And every year, McDowell County loses students. 
This year, the West Virginia Department of Education told McDowell it was over formula by 15 teaching positions. So in March, Tanya White drove to the schools where positions were being cut and met with each teacher getting laid off. That was a scary day. That's Hubert Mullins. And this is his wife, Jessica Mullins. They called me in first. Jessica and Hubert Mullins are special education teachers at the same elementary school in McDowell County. And as soon as I was finished, they called him over the intercom to report to the office. So I thought to myself, yes, yes, we are both losing our jobs today. That music you hear in the background, it's the song that comes on over the school intercom every day at dismissal. To hear more about the Mullins' story, I visit them at home in the evening. That's me walking up the steps to their front door. 43 steps, one of those houses built into the side of a steep hill. That's their cat, Oliver. They have several cats, all named after Dickens characters. Good. Ooh, wow, I'm envious. (laughs) What a great house. Their house is beautiful, built-in cabinets with leaded glass doors, a huge fireplace, four bedrooms, two and a half baths. They bought it for $15,000. I think right before us it was a drug house because when we first moved in, all hours of the night people would knock on our door. and We always say, you know, it's closed, it's it's new new management. (laughs) Hubert and Jessica are both from McDowell County. They met working at Walmart. I was reading one of his favorite books in the break room. It was a novel called The Lovely Bones. The Walmart where they worked was in McDowell County, but it shut down in 2016, taking 140 jobs and tens of thousands of dollars in tax revenue with it. When Walmart closed, Jessica had already convinced Hubert to go to college with her. Their fathers had been coal miners. They were going to be teachers. We always said, you know, they always need teachers, but... The population is just leaving in droves, and where they might have needed five teachers before, they'll need one. Whoops. <laughs> oh, wiggle worm. That's their three-year-old, Liam. The Mullins' teacher training was interrupted when they had him, and they're still working on their teacher certifications. That's why they got laid off. They're at the bottom of the seniority list, and West Virginia has strict rules that teachers with the least seniority must be laid off first. Now the Mullinses are thinking about the possibility of leaving McDowell County. Right now it's scary because we know this area and this is all we've ever known. We're small town, rural people. We really are. And it would be a huge adjustment for us to just move somewhere where we didn't know everybody. Okay. It's a, a reality now. We never thought that it would be. hoping maybe Hubert will get his job back. Jessica's position was eliminated. His still exists. It just had to be offered to another teacher with more seniority. They've heard that teacher is looking for a job somewhere else. The teacher problem in McDowell County is complex. The chaos and uncertainty caused by annual layoffs don't help. But Superintendent Nelson Spencer says there's not much he can do about it. It all goes back to what's going on with the local economy. What would really help, he says, is a road, a modern four-lane highway in and out of the county. It would open us up, really, basically, is what it would do. And it would bring in a better economy. We would have more people to stay, more people want to stay. You would have developers in. People have been talking about the need for this highway for a long time. (laughs) It it has been since I was uh, a young man, and now I'm not near a young man anymore. There's renewed hope that something will happen a new governor who's talking about the highway, and President Trump and his promises on infrastructure. Nelson Spencer says even if a new highway didn't lead to much economic development, at least it would make it easier for teachers to commute here. Close to a third of McDowell teachers don't live in McDowell County. But ultimately, it's the teachers who live here and grew up here, people with roots in this community, who are the most likely to stay for the long haul. That's why personnel director Tanya White has started a Grow Your Own program. The hope is to sell students in McDowell County on the idea of becoming teachers and coming back home. If I can't recruit them, I'm hoping to 
Rising. <laughs> this year, she started a McDowell County chapter of Educators Rising, a national organization that tries to get high school students on the path to teaching careers. An interesting note, the fellowship in Philadelphia has started a local chapter of Educators Rising, too. Since so many teachers prefer to work close to where they grew up, Grow Your Own is kind of an obvious and necessary solution for schools that can't find and keep the teachers they need. In Philadelphia and other urban school districts, the question is whether teachers will choose to stay given the working conditions in many of the schools. Here in McDowell County, the question is, will there be any children left to teach in another generation or two? Just a few last notes about the story in McDowell County. Hubert Mullins got his job back. The teacher who was offered his position did indeed take a job in another county. So the Mullinses are staying in McDowell, at least for now. Anne Turley, the music teacher, she did not get laid off. And despite her struggles with that fifth grade class, she's coming back for another year of teaching. She and her husband, Brian, just bought a house. That was Emily Hanford with APM Reports in a story she reported back in 2017. After the break, we'll check back in with teachers from that story and find out whether they stayed or left. And if you build it, will they come? We'll hear about a new housing development in McDowell that was built to attract and keep teachers. I guarantee you could go out and walk the streets today and you'd find some people who are skeptical of our work and see us as outsiders. That's okay. We know that we've made a difference and we will continue to make a difference. That's after a break. You're inside Appalachia. I'm Mason Adams. We'll be right back. Support for Inside Appalachia is provided by Concord University in Athens, West Virginia, with career-focused liberal arts education in more than 80 degrees and programs to pursue various career options, not just a single job. More at concord.edu. Before the break, we heard a story from 2017 with teachers in McDowell County, West Virginia, who said they were passionate about trying to stay and keep teaching. More than four years later, our producer, Roxy Todd, tracked two of those teachers down to find out what's happened since. One of the teachers I spoke with is Ann Turley. Remember, she's the music teacher who is traveling to three different schools across McDowell County. She loves teaching and felt called to teach in the community where she grew up. But back in 2017, she was starting to wonder if the job was right for her. I felt like... I needed to be so much more than a music teacher. The needs of the students I was seeing every day, it was quite overwhelming. I thought I should be a social worker or a therapist or a counselor, and I needed to spend more time to even get to know the children. Turley was teaching 600 children every week and only spent 40 minutes with them at a time. Many of her students were dealing with trauma, unstable homes, or not enough food, or had faced neglect or abuse. Problems she didn't always feel like she knew the right resources or the right people to turn to for help. Because the community cannot happen if you're not there together. Many of her fellow teachers lived over an hour away. But they choose to live in Bluefield and commute in or Beckley, somewhere that has more amenities. So I see that as one of the hardest obstacles to overcome is to create community among people that come there to teach and to provide a community around them so that they're not alone. Ideally, Turley wanted to find a way to teach at one school so she could spend more time with her students. But the school system is stretched so thin with teachers often wearing multiple hats and filling in for multiple classes. Teaching music at just one school just didn't seem like it would be an option. As a person who loves to get to know children and to actually try to make something different happen in their lives, like it did for me as a kid, 
it just wasn't going to happen with the constraints of what was there. Turley says there were good things about returning to the county where she grew up. She got to spend time with her aging mother. She and her husband, Brian, bought a house in Welch. Things weren't perfect, but they were going okay. But then, six months after she and Brian bought their home and moved in, it blew up. Like, literally exploded. There was a gas leak. Turley and her family, thankfully, were all staying out of town at the time. It was just so traumatic. I can't begin to explain. 40 years of your life is gone as far as the memories, the photographs, things that you can't replace. But thankful at the same time, my husband, my son, and I were all alive. (laughs) Her husband's wedding ring that had been stored in a jewelry box was found in a neighbor's yard. A rocking horse that had been her son's was blown onto the sidewalk. After the disaster, Turley stopped teaching. She got a new job helping run a new cultural center in Welch. Things were going well. They started scheduling music and art events. Then the pandemic hit, and she was laid off. Around the same time, Turley's mother passed away. So the real strong urge to be there in that county no longer existed. And my husband and I looked at each other and said, where would we want to retire when we get to that point? They chose Greenbrier County, West Virginia, not far from the Greenbrier Resort. Turley and her husband bought a house there. She began substitute teaching. And she took a training that was offered to her through the Monroe County school system in helping children who are dealing with trauma. It was helpful just learning more about what trauma does to a child and how they learn. It was eye-opening. She says she thinks a training like that could have really helped her with some of the challenges she faced in McDowell County. She also wished she'd realized just how hard it would be to move back to her home community. I would have tried to do more preparing myself of, okay, what's changed? I guess I was Pollyannish looking back because I grew up in a community that was, everyone did know me as a child. Burnout among teachers has been a problem for many years. The pandemic made the problem worse. According to a poll from the National Education Association last year, nearly one in three teachers across the United States say COVID-19 has made them more likely to resign or retire early. Kathy Jack is one teacher who has seen that in her McDowell County school system. It is a problem. We have teachers out and we don't have subs to cover classes because we have to pitch in and help. Jack is a special education teacher. She was awarded McDowell County's Teacher of the Year Award in 2020. She's in her 40th year of teaching and has been a cheerleading coach for 37 years. It keeps me young feeling, I guess. I plan to do it as long as they'll have me. (laughs) She hasn't tired of teaching. She says the thing that's helped her the most is connecting with her students. You have those relationships with kids, a good relationship. You're going to get more respect. You can see more smiles. I mean, it's all about relationships. I I truly believe that. Jack is considering partial retirement in the next couple years. But she wants to keep coaching. And she wants to be a substitute after she retires. And she insists that despite the many challenges, McDowell County is not broken. People from McDowell County are are special people. They really are. And uh, a lot of them, now some have forgotten their roots, you know, but a lot of them have not forgotten their roots. And a lot of people still say if there were jobs here, they'd be right back here in the county living again. And that may be the biggest challenge for McDowell County schools. How to create jobs in the community and bring people home. For Inside Appalachia, I'm Roxy Todd. What brings people to a community? And what could bring more people to McDowell? Well, jobs for one thing. What about housing? The Renaissance Village is a housing project meant to attract teachers to McDowell County. 11 years after it was first envisioned, the Renaissance Village is now officially complete. With 20 apartments and a four-story building in downtown Welch. Are teachers moving in? Roxy Todd toured the new building to find out. On the day I visited, it was Veterans Day, and the city of Welch was hosting its annual Veterans Day parade. Renee Bolden was helping her mother move into her new apartment. My mom is moving in to one of the corner units upstairs, and she was able to walk right outside the door and be right here 
for the parade. Bolden's mom isn't a teacher. She's a retired nurse and for most of her life has lived in a remote community in another part of this county. Bolden says her mom was looking for a place where she wouldn't have to do any maintenance because she's getting older. It's easier here to get out and walk down the street and talk to people. And she's here in the center of everything that pretty much happens in McDowell County. Bolden's mom is one of 14 renters in the Renaissance building. There's an ambulance driver, a coal miner, a nurse, and a Mormon missionary leader. The apartments cost $675 for a one-bedroom, $825 for a two-bedroom, which may seem like fair prices. But here in McDowell, you can easily buy a house for $50,000. But these apartments are low-maintenance and come with appliances like a washer and dryer. All of the units come with uh, the utilities, dishwasher, stove oven, refrigerator, etc. The, the kitchen's ready to roll when you, when you come in. Mark Kemp is a grants manager for Reconnecting McDowell, a nonprofit that spearheaded this housing project. He also lives here. He says one of the conveniences of living in Renaissance Village is being right in the heart of downtown Welch, nestled up beside the local movie theater. He's seen a lot of movies here lately. Down the street, there's an ATV shop and a giant and unused parking garage, a symbol of times gone by when in the 1950s and 60s, Welch was a bustling city. People here talk nostalgically of the days when you could shop in Welch. Today, most of the old stores are gone, as are big chain stores like Walmart. Without these amenities, it can be tough to attract workers to live here, including teachers. One of the issues in McDowell County is more than half the teachers live somewhere else outside of this county. Bob Brown is an organizer with the American Federation of Teachers, or AFT, and directs the union's nonprofit, Reconnecting McDowell. And it's really important, we think, ideally, for teachers to live in the communities where they work. Brown says Renaissance Village will attract not just teachers, but businesses. There will be a coffee shop, a gift store, and a Brazilian restaurant on the building's first floor. The idea for Renaissance Village started back in 2011, when Gail Manchin was the president of the State Board of Education. She talked AFT President Randy Weingarten into partnering, and together they formed Reconnecting McDowell. Brown admits that they didn't realize it would take 11 years to build Renaissance Village. I I don't know that we'd have done anything any differently. It just took a lot longer than we had hoped. The first delays hit after they bought a building in downtown Welch and realized there were extensive issues with lead paint, asbestos, and mold. The basement was also damaged from past floods. They decided it would cost less to simply tear the building down. Rebuilding ended up costing $9 million, more than they had planned on. They got federal and state grants. AFT chipped in $2 million. People from all over the country donated money to the project. Finally, in 2018, seven years after Reconnecting McDowell was created, they started building the Renaissance Village. I'll never forget coming down here one day early in the construction process and sitting right across the street there where three or four old-timers brought their folding chairs and sat there all day and watched the progress on the new building. This is the first uh, multi-story new building in Welch in over 50 years, so it brought a sense of excitement. They finished half the building in 2020, and tenants began moving in. They finished the final apartments this past December. Six of 20 apartments are still available. So far, no teachers have moved in. They have had interest from several teachers, and hope that by summer or fall of this year, they will have teachers move in. I guarantee you could go out and walk the streets today and you'd find Some people are skeptical of our work and see us as outsiders. That's okay. We know that we've made a difference, and we will continue to make a difference. Back out in the parking lot, Renee Bolden has an armful of boxes for her mother's apartment. Her middle school-aged daughter is excited to be able to stay with her nana in downtown Welch because she'll be closer to her school and might be able to do more extracurricular activities. Like many people in McDowell, Bolden remembers when this city was packed with people. I I want that for our home again. I want that for for my child. I want that for all of our children here to, you know, to love home and not feel like they have to leave. One housing project can't fix all of McDowell County's problems, but maybe it can help more people feel like a part of the community. And if more people stay, 
maybe teachers will stay too. For Inside Appalachia, I'm Roxy Todd in Welch, West Virginia. spent a lot of time today talking about McDowell County, West Virginia. But teacher and staff shortages is a problem facing schools across Appalachia and the country. If you're a teacher, what are you feeling right now? What ideas do you have for how school districts could make this job easier and help encourage more people to go into teaching and stay in the profession? We're going to continue reporting about teachers, so we'd love to hear from you. Write to us at InsideAppalachia at wvpublic.org or send us a letter to 600 Capitol Street, Charleston, West Virginia, 2511. Before we go, we're going to meet an educator who teaches kids about nature through stories and song. His name is Doug Elliott. He's a professional storyteller and naturalist in North Carolina. A few years ago, Sarah Lynch Thomason reported this story about the lessons Elliott teaches in the forest of Appalachia. On a humid afternoon near Leicester, North Carolina, about 20 people tromp through a field behind naturalist Doug Elliott. They're on a plant walk, exploring trees, flowers, and herbs. Doug leads the group up to a large tree and pauses. Okay, everybody in a comfortable spot here? I got a riddle for you. And the riddle is an old, partially an old Appalachian riddle, partially a new Appalachian riddle. It goes like this. Hi, 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 hey, there's a big black stain in my driveway. High as a house, low as a mouse, got more rooms than anyone's house. Hey, little hi, hey, little little, look inside, there's a possum in the middle. What is it? Black walnut. Black walnut, all right, right, so black walnut. Well, black walnut is high as a house, there's a tree right there. It's low as a mouse when, you, when the nut falls down. And then, but now, hey, diddle, diddle, hey, diddle, hi, hey, diddle, diddle, look inside, there's a possum in the middle? What could that be about? Doug takes out a black walnut shell cut in half. Everyone bends in to get a closer look. Look at, look. (laughs) The inside of the walnut shell looks just like a possum's face, with a narrow head and small black eyes, but Doug says not all of them look this perfect. It takes a lot, takes a lot of nuts to get a possum. But, um, we, but we... For more than 40 years, Doug has been telling stories and singing songs about nature. His passion for everything from salamanders to sassafras started when he was young. I guess I remember as a, being a little kid, I can remember with it, having a jar and a top and going out and catching bumblebees. It's like holding them in the jar and slapping the top on there. <laughs> I guess that was a real thrill to me. Doug says his passion for educating others about the natural world started when he was living in New England after college. I was an art major. I was totally unemployable. And I thought, if I'm going to be an, art, if I'm going to be an artist, I better start growing a garden. I started growing the garden, all these weeds came up. Weeds. Not what he was hoping for. But Doug says a friend had given him a book called Stalking the Wild Asparagus by wild food enthusiast Yule Gibbons. And after reading it, Doug realized that the weeds growing in his garden weren't useless. Some were even more nutritious than the plants he was trying to grow. And it kind of opened the world to me, like, oh my goodness. I got so excited about that, I started giving talks about nature and about useful wild plants. Since then, Doug has made a career out of storytelling. He now lives in North Carolina and says he settled in Appalachia because people here have a deep connection to the land, and they're willing to share what they know. I mean, most information you learn from the old-timers comes with a story, you know. Now in his 70s, Doug is the old-timer, so to speak. His work helps kids learn about nature at a time when most are spending less and less time in it. Doug says loose, unstructured time outside is an important outlet for the unbridled energy of childhood. 
that nature can be such a such a sponge for all this kind of undisciplined, testosterone-ridden craziness, you know. One of Doug's biggest fans is a five-year-old named Forrest. Do you have any favorite um, plants or flowers that grow around here? I like I like pine trees, and I like maple trees, so we can tap them and get the sap and boil them to make it into boil boiled syrup, maple syrup. That all sounds delicious. Yum. Forrest and his father, Kevin, live in a house on a rural mountainside in Barnardsville, North Carolina. During the evening, you can hear tree frogs and crickets right outside their door. Kevin tells me that Forrest spends a lot of time in the woods, watching tadpoles and deer. A few years ago, Forrest found some secondhand tapes of Doug's stories and songs, and Kevin says that Forrest was mesmerized by them. There was like probably a three or four or five even month period where he listen to these Doug Elliott tapes like every day he would just like he learned how to work the tape player he would sit down on my bed and listen to Doug Elliott for 25 or 30 minutes easy sometimes more all right so now we need to push this button Forrest fast forwards the tape player to one of his favorite tracks then starts reciting stories right alongside Doug's narration all right, all right, Snake. I know you're out there hiding in those bushes somewhere. I know you're out there hiding, Snake. You should be ashamed of yourself. How dare you not show up for the Great Council? You better come out, Snake. Doug Elliott has a lot of stories about snakes. One of Forrest's favorites is about a non-venomous snake called a black rat snake. It lives near farms and eats rodents. The story is about a time that Doug gently squeezed a black rat snake to help it regurgitate a plastic egg. Um... Doug Elliott squeezed an Easter egg out of a snake. And that snake came to his pet and he kept it a little while and let it go. And then it just kept going away and coming back, going away and coming back. And I think it still does that. Kevin tells me that not too long ago, he and Forrest spotted a black snake near their house. But Forrest wasn't scared. He was excited because he'd heard songs and stories about snakes. I told Doug about Kevin and Forrest's black snake encounter. It's, that warms my heart. If you ask me why I'm doing this, that might be one of the reasons. One of the reasons to see kids like Forrest delighting in nature. For Inside Appalachia, I'm Sarah Lynch-Thomason. Until next time, thanks for joining us as we journey throughout Appalachia. Our theme music is by Matt Jackford. Other music this week was provided by Wes Swing, Blue Dot Sessions, Jake Sheps, and Dinosaur Burbs. Roxy Todd is our producer. Our executive producer is Eric Douglas. Kelly Libby is our editor. Our audio mixer is Patrick Stevens. Xander Alloy also helped produce this episode. You can find us on Twitter, at NAppalachia. You can also send us an email to InsideAppalachia at wvpublic.org. Visit wvpublic.org slash insideappalachia to sign up for our newsletter. There, you can also subscribe or download all of our stories. Or look for Inside Appalachia wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Appalachia is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting.